Coming to you from the Man Cave, deep in the heart of the Pacific Northwest, you have entered the Northwest Convergence Zone. Everybody, welcome to the Northwest Convergence Zone show. That, of course, is the voice, the former voice of the fabulous Whalers, Kent Kent Morrill, who passed away on April fifteenth. And what a voice he was! Yeah, he had that was an amazing song. I've never heard that track. That is a track off of uh, his only solo album ever, and it's titled the 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 name of the album is hard to rock alone and the name of that song is i've slipped her mind and he kent only did one solo album one and it's out on it's on etiquette records and it's very very hard to find but they're pressing a bunch of new copies cds and so forth and the event I want to tell you about straight up, I'm Big D. That's Double D. I'm Double D. We're the Northwest Convergence Zone. Uh, we're, we're remembering Kent this week. Um, May 4th, it's a Wednesday, at the Temple Theater main room at 47 St. Helens Avenue in Tacoma. Starting at 7 o'clock, there is a Whalers concert for Kent, and they will be selling that CD there. It's a, I, Buck brought it in on Thursday when we talked to him. We had a little on-air, uh, you know, memorial for Kent, and we played several tracks off of it. It's dynamite. It is an amazing CD. That guy had such a voice and was such a presence uh, behind the microphone. It's just, it's undeniable. Yeah, he's just a, a great musician. And I mean, just by listening to that song, you can hear the passion that he has for trying to get his feelings across and he was a great friend you and i got to know him you yeah, know quite yeah. a bit uh towards the end uh got to sit in his house and chat with him several times and and did a couple of projects with him and really nice guy uh funny guy actually a lot of people don't know that about him very funny guy yeah and it was you know great to get to know some of his family and just spend time with him the history you know his history all the things that he's done places he's traveled all the shows people he's met knows everything it was a fascinating life that he led and um so we're gonna miss him we're going to miss kent uh happy belated easter to everybody i hope everybody had a great easter weekend um did you get enough ham did you get enough uh, lamb, scallop, potatoes. What was on the table, Double D? It was uh, ham for me, but the bad thing is I found last year's Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You I find- bit into that, and that was really You bad. know, I had that. I really, Actually, I had that happen one time. I didn't bite this into really it. It really did happen. <laughs> you were looking a little peaked. Yeah. Uh, first, let's explain. It's Easter, so we gave everybody the day off. Uh, yeah. Gimmer, Voxy, uh, everybody, uh, the saint... Uh, all squeeze. the paid staff got yeah basically it's double d wonder boy and i this week and we're going to do kind of a best of we're going to reminisce uh we're going to bring some old interviews 
that we're particularly proud of and uh, a little bit of our history here from the Northwest Convergence Zone. We will be back in full gear next week. Next week, uh, the whole staff will be here and we have guests uh, Louis G. Ravens Rant, The Sins, The Warm Hearties, and uh, In Repose. So we'll, we'll be back with a full new show next week. But um, we sat down. Oh, I was going to tell you about my Easter story real quick. <laughs> when my kids were young, uh, they had a bunch of friends come over and we had an Easter egg hunt, you know. And so when there's like six or eight kids and you hide all the eggs and it was, of course, raining because we're in the northwest. It's raining. So we had to hide them in the house. And when you have that many kids and they all gather the eggs up and everything, you have a hard time counting. You know, did you get them all? We just assumed they got them all. And it was about <laughs> it was about three weeks later. I sat down on my couch and I was uh, going to read a book or whatever. And there was just the funkiest smell. And I'm thinking, what is that? I I know I just took a shower. <laughs> so yeah. I'm looking around and I finally I pull up the couch and one of the eggs had rolled under there. And it was it was one that had cracked during the boiling. Mm-hmm. So it was black. So it was it a was, furry. A furry it was thing. it was a furry egg. It was scary. I got tongs to pull it out. <laughs> uh, it was and it's that's a hard smell to get out of. I mean, I sat there for you know for days after that could smell that smell. I sprayed lice whatever I could. Uh, you know, burned incense, prayed to the gods. Everything, nothing worked. So. Just time. <laughs> Finally, it went away. So huh? hopefully, you found all your eggs. And if you did, if there's one missing get going on it. (laughs) But uh, we, uh, you know, we're going to go into a couple of interviews here that we uh, did in the past. And of course, we're going to start off with the man, the man that we're honoring this weekend. And, uh, you know, all the way up until May 4th, when they have the big concert. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But we sat down one time with Kent, got a real lesson about the fabulous whalers, Northwest rock history, Uh, his life, his passion, his goals, and so forth. Now, some of the information, of course, that, you know, he's going to give in this is outdated now because we did this interview, I don't know, a year ago. And um, so, you know, just take it for what it is, but listen to what he had to say. Kent had a lot of interesting things to say about the history of the Northwest and how rock and roll started and their place in it. And then after Kent, we're going to roll right into probably the most popular in-studio guest we've ever had here. Uh, This guy is a crazy man. You know him from TV. His name is Rob Thielke, but you know him as the Vern Funk guy. And uh, we had a good time with Rob. So uh, kick back. This is kind of a best of um, the Northwest Convergence Zone. Kent Morrill right here. All right, everybody. I want to uh, welcome you into what I feel is a tremendous opportunity for us here on the Northwest Convergence Zone. We're interviewing Kent Morrell, founding, one of the founding members of the legendary Fabulous Whalers, uh, legends of Tacoma, legends of rock and roll music, and uh, godfathers of what we now know as garage rock or punk rock or whatever you want to give it a name as now. Kent, thank you so much for having us in. Well, thank you for coming. It's my pleasure. Well, it's uh, our pleasure to be here, and uh, before we get into... uh, a lot of the whalers' history and your plans and everything. Let's get to the question that's on everybody's mind. How are you feeling? How are you doing these days? Uh, about 38%. No, <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm. It's been a long haul. I, uh, Certainly has. had a major operation, and uh, it sort of zapped... Well, they tell, they tell me now that for every day that you're laying in a hospital... It takes three days to get your energy back. And I was in the hospital for two and a half months. So hmm. so it's coming back. I hmm. sang, actually sang last night. Did you? Uh, yeah, at the, uh, with Neil Rush Band out at uh, the Highliner. Oh, great. That great. just about killed me, but I did it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to the game. Yeah. <laughs> That's I know there's great. a lot of people rooting for you and well-wishers and people praying for you and hoping that you, you uh, keep going on the mend. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of prayers, a lot of good thoughts have gone your way. When we had Buck Ornsby on, uh, we talked about it a little bit, and we got a lot of response from people who were surprised to hear about that you had had some failing health, and um, a lot of people wondered, you know, how's he doing? And so uh, official word is you're at about 38 
40%, but you're on the mend and you're coming back. Yeah. Great, great. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the early days, the beginning of Northwest rock and roll and garage rock and um, the fabulous whalers. Let's go back to, what was it, the early to mid-50s. When did you actually, guys, when did you actually meet and decide, let's be the fabulous whalers? It was, I believe it was towards the end of 58. Mm-hmm. Um, we all we all met out at a place, uh, McCord Air Force Base. They used to have the jam sessions out there, and Rich Daniel, who became our guitar player, right. who was a, a, a Air Force brat, and he lived out there. And then John Greek, they they went to school together at the Clover Park, so they started having these jam sessions. And some kid, I was I went to Bellarmine High School, and they uh, one of my buddies said, "Hey, you got to go out there and." Uh, uh, check it out. So I did. I went out there and I had uh, written a song uh, before that. It's called Dirty Robber. And I went out and played Dirty Robber and I, I got in the band. <laughs> Just like that. They recognized talent when they saw it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so 1958, you guys join and then um, it's not easy going back then. There's no, there's no internet. There's no texting, cell phones, all these things. You guys are practicing. How did you get gigs? How did you find places to play? Did you have to kind of invent that? Yeah, we had to. We had to pretty much invent our own gigs. The the town fathers of Tacoma, they wouldn't let us play in Tacoma because they said we were playing the devil's music. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so we we would go out to these lakes, uh, Clear Lake and. Five Mile Lake, and uh, and they have most of them have a little, I don't know what you call it, like a pavilion, right? And we would rent those things, and we'd go uh, make posters and nail them on the uh, telephone posts, te- telephone posts, and around. And pretty next thing we know, the word got around, and we had pretty good little little crowds out there, and that, that's we created our own gigs basically. Yeah. Were you making any money at the time, or you guys were just happy to be oh, playing? Oh, at least $5 a piece a night. <laughs> and, That's more and, than we make. And that got spent on beer. So that was... <laughs> All right. Uh, so then as you uh, uh, come together as the Whalers and things are starting to happen, what was the first uh, break, the first uh, flirtation with success? Well, we, we, we created quite a storm. We went out here to Midland Hall. A uh, guy named Papa Vera used to throw country dances out there, and he decided to hire us every Friday night and broadcast on a local radio station. So the next thing we know, everybody in town that was cruising around wound up out there. They have a limit on that building of 250 people, and we used to put about 2,500 in there. <laughs> Holy <laughs> and That's where the dance came where everybody does this. <laughs> And so anyway, the <laughs> word started getting around, and um, somebody knew, one of our uh, band members' parents knew uh, Art Minio, and he was playing at the New Yorker or someplace like that, mm-hmm. and uh, Art was connected with New York, and so we went over there and talked to him and played some music for him, and he uh, he tried to get us on Epic Records, but uh, they weren't interested. But a friend of his knew this uh, Golden Crest, which is a small small label. It was actually a children's label, and they uh, they loved it. And they flew out here and recorded us. And the next thing we know, we were on bandstand. Gee, yeah, yeah. What was that like back then? I understand you were on. Um, this was before my time, obviously. But Alan, the Alan Freed show. Yeah, we were and on you're Alan. on American Bandstand. Yeah, and um, also uh, when Tall Cool One hit, that was in the top fifty. Yeah, uh, nationally, top, top thirty actually. Top thirty, mm-hmm. and how? What was that like? Uh, all of a sudden, two guys from Tacoma, who are used to playing out at the lake. To be honest with you, we didn't think about it. We thought, well, that's just the way it goes. You know, we were all kids, 15, 16 years old. So you all were still in high school. You still yeah. had to come back to school. 
we were still in high school, and we went to New York. We did a tour back east, and we went on the Dick Clark show when they were still in Philadelphia. And to be honest, we, we were, like I said, we were all teenagers. My mother went with us, and she lost about 10 years of her life. <laughs> but uh, we... Uh, and we we had an we had many opportunities over the years. In fact, there was a company called GAC, which was the biggest management company in the world at the time. They wanted us to move to New York and, and manage us, and we went, "Nah, I'm going home. We're tired. We miss our <laughs> girlfriends." <laughs> that, so we didn't get it. You know? Right? Yeah. Well, some you know when you're kids, you sometimes you don't even you you can't see the the bigger picture or, or no. you know, know what's going on. Uh, let me ask you about uh, some people have credited you, and I think rightly so, with this progression: the one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three progression. Does that mean anything to you? Well, it sounds like Louis Louis. It <laughs> is Louis Louis. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um... Quite, we, it took us 40 years to figure out what happened with Louie Louie because uh, we're, we now lease some of our early products to the original label. Mm -hmm. And the man that was running it is no longer alive, but his daughter runs it. And uh, when we decided to go home and not live for them, they pretty much dropped us as far as promoting and anything. And so we were sitting here wondering, they're not talking about any more recordings or anything. And so we said, well, we'll start our own label. And uh, most of the guys in the band said, we can't do that. Bands can't have their own label. And Buck and I and Rock and Robin said, well, we think we can, and we're going to do it. If you don't want to do it, fine. So that's where Etiquette Records came about. Mm. Our first release on Etiquette was a song called Louie Louie. Mm -hmm. And it uh, just... Uh, took off like crazy went number one and uh, we leased it to liberty records well like i said 40 years later we we found out that liberty records had all their records manufactured by shelley products which was owned by golden crest and so they simply called them up and said if you promote these guys we won't press your records really so we kept calling them say what's going on you know uh, I remember Robin called him one time and said, I don't care if a frog sings this song. This is a hit song. <laughs> and as it turned out, it kind of was that way. That's but right. uh, uh, So then the Kingsman made a, a copy of ours for a demo. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Jerry Denon got a hold of it. And it, the rest is history. You know, sold, I don't know, 15 million copies or something. And a staple for every frat house in the United States. Oh, it's the most recorded record in in the history of music. Right. And yeah. I think in a lot of the publications, Rolling Stone, uh, even probably in Billboard, when they have the greatest rock and roll songs in history, it's always, I'm going to say for sure, in the top ten and probably mostly in the top five yeah, right. as one of the greatest rock and roll records ever. So it took us, like I said, 40 years when they finally told us, his his daughter finally told us what happened. And uh, so we're not bitter. I mean, we the, friend, the, the Kingsmen are good friends of ours. And uh, we just feel good that we stirred up something that uh, turned out to be a big deal. Even a though, really big deal. Yeah. I, I want to go back, uh, Kent, to uh, when you were playing around here and as you progressed to some of the legendary venues that unfortunately are no longer around and uh if you could tell us a little bit about uh playing at the spanish castle which you've got a live uh uh CD, album that's yep. that's one of my favorites that i was just listening to yeah. on the uh way over and also perhaps uh when you played at the uh the evergreen ballroom kind of the pros and cons of playing at both those spots well the the spanish castle if you've ever read um, Pat O'Day's book, was his invention, sort of. But uh, actually, we were out there before that. But uh, we we played a couple dances, and then Pat saw the saw the potential and took it over. But uh, man, that that was amazing dance hall. It used to be the big bands played there. It had one of those uh, 
bouncy floors. Right, and, right. And, <laughs> and uh, oh, we put, I don't know how many thousands of people in that thing every time we played there. And a lot of other bands played there. And, of course, we anybody that came through town, uh, big stars, with the Pat O'Day KJR, we always backed them up. And so uh, that was uh, an amazing uh, hall. I'm, just, I'm really disappointed that they didn't see the historic value of it and keep right. it. But uh, somebody got killed out there crossing the freeway or the street. And that was the beginning of the end. They just shut it down. So. And the uh, Evergreen Ballroom? Evergreen Ballroom is where we learned our music. We were the only white guys out there. And <laughs> we used to go out there, Rich and Buck and I and Robin, and stand right in front to watch B.B. Oh, King, uh, Fats Domino, Little Richard, all those guys, Little Willie John. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we picked up on all of their their annex, their their steps, their movements, and all the kids in town thought that was our own original concept. <laughs> but we were just imitating the old black groups that came through town. Mm-hmm. They had to go to the Evergreen Ballroom because again they weren't allowed to play in town. Yes. Hmm. Uh, I want to uh, just ask you. You said uh, when you were playing out at uh, Spanish Castle that. Uh, you know, a lot of different bands would come through and you guys would back them up or open for them or so forth. Uh, can you give us your favorite band or your favorite artists that you shared the stage with during that time? Rolling Stones. <laughs> but that wasn't at the castle. That was at the arena or wherever that thing was. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's because they were the biggest band we ever worked with. But uh, we we had a lot of fun times uh uh, what's his name? Tony Orlando came out one time, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and we tried to back him. And Tony <laughs> was strictly East Coast Scooby Doo singer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes up on stage, and he had a song at the time called "Sincerely," the old "Sincerely," you know. Yes. And uh, so Dangle says, "Okay, man, let's. Uh, what key?" And he goes. What do you mean, what key? <laughs> I sing, you play. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts out, sin, no, mm, sin, mm-mm, sin. <laughs> Dangles going all over his guitar. <laughs> anyway, we had we had quite a few of those type of groups, Jan and Dean and mm. Beach Boys and all those groups that came out there. And uh, Dick and Dee Dee was one of the worst. Uh, Dick is... Uh, at the time, anyway, I'm sure he's changed. Was a a big uh, egomaniac, and uh, he, they came with no charts or no nothing, and just expected us to play their songs, you know. And so one night, the last we did a tour with them, and one night at the Parker's Ballroom, we uh, we were performing, and just before they were going to say good night, they said, you know. We've been working with the Whalers here for about a week now. They still don't know our material. <laughs> Gee, <laughs> thanks for nothing. <laughs> I never forgot that because Rich turned around and looked at Mike Burke. And they looked at each other. And the next song was supposed to be What I Say Real Fat. And, you know, they started playing it as a waltz. <laughs> and they're going, tell me what did I say, you know. And, oh, and before he said that, he said, but let's hear it for the Whalers. Aren't they great? You know, real sarcastic. So when they when we destroyed them, mm-hmm. I got on the mic and said, let's hear it for Dick and Dee Dee. Aren't they great? <laughs> Uh, a little tit for tat yeah, there. That's good. Uh, well, let's talk about Gail Harris, uh, vocalist you guys uh, have had. Um, true, she was 13 when she first yeah. started with Whalers. How, how did how did that happen? Uh, to be honest, I don't remember how it happened, how we got in touch with Gail, but I think her parents brought her out one night or she sat in or something. But she was a killer. I mean, she was Etta James at 13. Uh and she still is, by the way. Mm-hmm. When we put this show I was telling you about earlier together, it's going to include Gail again. But uh, she is one of the unique voices of all times, I think. 
And she turned down a lot of big opportunities to stay with the Whalers. Buck Owens wanted her to join his group and uh, a couple others. And uh, but you know that's that's history. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Gail was something else. She not only could sing like. Etta James at 13, but she looked like uh, Tina Turner at thir- mm-hmm. 21. <laughs> <laughs> Careful <had> now. <laughs> and uh, how about uh, Rockin', uh, Rockin' Roberts? Rockin' Robin. Buck probably told you a little bit about Bu- uh, Robin. Cause he and little just, Bill told us a little bit, yeah. As they said, they, they discovered him at the Puyallup Fair mm-hmm. up on a on a bench singing a cappello he was uh amazing singer had so much energy he couldn't he couldn't sit still for an an instant i used to watch him when he would get ready he'd be off stage say stage left and he'd be shaking and jumping and everything (laughs) and then we'd announce him and he'd come flying out there Uh, he had more energy and uh just a great great voice of course, he's the one that sang Louie Louie. Right. You know? And, uh, yeah, we liked Robin, unfortunately. As you know, he he died too way too early. In way a too early. Car wreck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was happy to see that uh, off of one of the links on your website that in 99 that they uh, got the new uh, marker for at the cemetery for him with the 45 of oh, yeah. Louie Louie. That is really nice. I was really glad to see that. Uh, and you made a reference to it. Let's talk about this new concept for the Whalers, the the history of Northwest Rock and Roll, the fabulous Whalers. Tell us what that's going to incorporate, encompass. What can we expect from that? Well, we we have a lot of plans. Buck is uh, usually the mastermind behind most of this stuff. But uh, when he went to Europe with the Sonics, he started getting a lot of feedback from Europe about the Whalers. And uh, he suddenly realized that if we put it all together, the history, it means something. If you're just going to take one year or one record, it doesn't mean as much. You know. So anyway, we came up with this concept of sort of a, a live uh, demographic uh history of the whalers of northwest rock and roll and we finally admitted to ourselves that yes we were the history of rock and roll we started it and encouraged a lot of people to to do a lot of things so anyway we're going to have a show that starts out with our 59 music the early instrumentals and it'll just sort of evolve up to the when, uh, say, Gail comes up, and then a little bit later, the Marchands, and then the, uh, well, now we have extra horns and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. So we just take it right up to today's. And um, the, our latest album, uh, Rooster Rock. Rooster Rock, yes. Wonderful. I was telling you about the uh, Evergreen Ballroom. Well, that's kind of what that is, is we took songs from our heroes mm-hmm. and did them. It's a great and, album, by the way, and everybody should have a copy. Yeah, we're we're real pleased with that. Some, we've we've been told that that's our finest album as far as quality. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we're gonna. Uh, we think we've coined a new phrase for music called Rooster Rock. It's <laughs> the roots music with all the little gospel, little history, little country, little everything. And then we take the songs that influenced us and the singers, and that's what that album is. And uh, we we even got ideas. Well, maybe we'll have a volume two or three or four or ten. I don't we know. We can that only hope so. Yeah, that'll be yeah great. everybody sounds great on it. It's very good. Um, I want to go back to uh, playing at the Spanish Castle, and we've asked this question of Buck and Little Bill and even uh, Mr. Wilson with the Ventures, but. Uh, was there ever a night when you were playing there that a skinny African-American kid named Jimmy uh, asked yeah. you to sit in or help you out? Yeah, Jimmy used to. We didn't know who Jimmy was, but uh, this African-American fellow used to come and um, 
tell Rich, our guitar player, he says, if anything goes wrong with your amp, I've got one in the car, but you got to let me sit in. Because <laughs> in those days, you could blow a tube or right. the whole thing could blow up or... Short out or whatever. Short out, whatever. And uh, we didn't think anything of it because we didn't know who he was, you know. But he always wanted to set in. And uh, But Aunt, uh, Richard's amp never went out, so he never sat in. But we we learned later who he was, of course, Jimi Hendrix. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, just want to ask you about the, um, the compilation you did with the Ventures, the two-car garage uh, celebrating the 50 years. Um, it's a great CD, and I know everybody can go to twocargarage.com. Uh, what, what were your thoughts going into that? How were you approached for that? And um, well, You and actually, the Ventures are often seen together, and does that is that something that you appreciate or bothers yeah. you? Uh, actually, Don Wilson uh, suggested that to us so, oh, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Said we had to we had to cut an album sometime, you know. And uh, then we realized that we were both garage guys, and that we had been playing for fifty years. So it made sense to have an anniversary album, and so we took uh, seven or eight cuts from uh, Whalers and Ventures, plus a few that we did together. And we made that that album. Uh, it's a great CD. It really is. And there's uh, talk about a volume two on that. Oh, great, excellent. Um, speaking of fifty years, what I wanted to ask you is uh, musical technology in instruments and in amplification, everything that you recording. need to play, recording that you need to play a gig, has changed a lot in fifty years. Um, what do you appreciate about? new technology for you as a musician now as opposed to what you were starting out with you know 50 years ago is there things that you like about the new technology um for playing and also is there things that you like from the sound and the feel of the instruments you had 50 years ago that can't be duplicated now well the answer to that is yes to (laughs) to everything Uh, the uh, of course in the recording end it's very nice to be able to cut and paste and and do all that and overdub and tune up a sour note and all this technology they can do today but they can't capture the uh, acoustic sounds that we used to get I mean we recorded Tal Cohen on that whole first album one take. One take. In the middle of the night. Wow. And the Knights of Columbus Hall in Lakewood. The guy flew out with a Ampex 2 track, I guess it was. Put one microphone in the middle of the hall, dance floor, about 12 feet up in the air, and pointed it at the stage. And we had our own little PA system, those big old cones that we used to use. <laughs> and he said, okay, play. And we played Tall Coolin, and he went, okay, play something else. <laughs> and we we played a half a dozen songs, Roadrunner, Tall Coolin, Dirty Robber, Lucille. One take, all of them, and that became our album. Amazing. So, yeah. And then we recorded, of course, with uh, uh, Bill Wiley, who is, we found out later is also a legend in, in Nashville, and he was the guy that was piecing together two different machines and syncing them together. And so that's where we cut out of our tree and the sonics boom and all that. So, yes, there's some advantage to the old style, or the old tools. A lot harder to get it on wax. Uh, but and then there's advantage of the new stuff, you know. So um, you just have to kind of flow with it. It makes it easier when you want to get prolific and put out a bunch of albums with the new stuff. You can whack them out like crazy and then go back and fix them if there's something that needs fixing. So, I don't know. I like them both. Well, I want to remind everybody that on June 26th, you'll have an opportunity to see the Whalers 
and that will be in Issaquah, and it's a fundraiser event. And uh, we'll have information about that on our website. And that's June 26th in Issaquah. And do you have any uh, plans in the future? We talked about some recording ideas. You're talking about this, uh, the new concept for the Whalers and all these things. Uh, it sounds like you guys aren't slowing down. No, we figure why not. <laughs> uh, in fact, we're going to do something I've been trying to get done for 40 years, and that's a, a, a duet album between Gail Harris and myself. And uh, she finally agreed to do it. So Great. here we go. I just have to say uh, I was listening to the Live at the Castle uh, on the way over today and uh, um, listening to Ms. Harris uh and I believe the song is uh, I'll Cry. I just had it in my all, head. All I could do was cry. All I could do was cry. Uh, no pun intended, but talk about a lady that could wail. Yeah. That is just an unbelievable performance on that. Yeah, that's why everybody loved her. Yeah. Well, we got to wrap this up, but I, I just have two quick questions before we head out. And Kent, I, again, I can't thank you enough for thank this you. opportunity to come and chat with you. We could go on all day. It's you, there's so much that we would love to learn from you, and and I hope you get that this concept, this production put together. will be the first ones there. I think it's be good for Tacoma. It's good for the South Sound. It's good for the Northwest. Right. And uh, we can't thank you enough for all the things that you've done to contribute to the music not just of the Northwest, but of the world. You guys set a lot of things in motion, and it all started right here, and uh, we certainly appreciate that. I'm just curious, in, from the beginning to now, if you look back, there's a lot of things that have happened. Uh, two things, favorite moment, and have any regrets? Well, favorite moment, I have a picture of us on Dick Clark's show on Bandstand, and I'm looking out over the uh, peanut gallery, checking out all the chicks. <laughs> and I, I never forgot that picture because in my mind I was saying, boy, was this easy? I'm going to retire before I'm 21. <laughs> Little did I know. Mm -hmm. Still kicking around. Uh, regrets? Well, we have lots of regrets. We had, like I told you earlier, the Whalers have had so many major opportunities come our way. Ahmed Erdogan wanted to take us over our etiquette records at one time. We told him, "Nah, we don't. We're going to Hollywood." <laughs> so, but um, it's a lot of things like that. Things could have gone one way or another, but you know, I don't. I don't really regret it because had we become the Beatles, then, I may not be alive, for all I know. And we see what, where a lot of these groups went down the road with drugs and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you don't, you know, I don't really regret any of it. We've had a great time. Well, I hope you know that you are absolutely appreciated. And uh, a lot of people out there do know the history. And uh, they know that you set the wheels in motion. Uh, also want you to know that we're all proud to be South Sound guys. We're garage guys with our show here. Uh, we feel a kinship with you guys. We look up to you and can't thank you enough for all your contributions. Kent, my last question is, um, is there or has there been any organized effort to petition uh, locally and then hopefully more on a national level uh, to get the fabulous whalers into the rock and roll hall of fame and if there was some some type of organized uh grassroots movement done in the right way would that be something that you and the whalers would be behind oh yeah not only us but we feel like the sonics belong there as well um um, um mark the one that got the um ventures in the hall of fame mm -hmm. uh yeah mark Hunt. Mark Harmon. Uh, uh, he's he was on KBSG, the the old yeah. station. Yeah, well, I'm having yeah, a it's, senior moment. Yeah, here. me too. <laughs> we'll dub it in. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, there's always been talk about that being a project in the future. Maybe after we make a little noise, if we can. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's just uh, I mean we were we were very flabbergasted that the ventures were not in the Hall of Fame 20 years ago yeah I mean for all the stuff that they've done but they finally got in and uh, I've been to the Hall of Fame in Cleveland and I know one of the, the director there and there's no reason why we've accomplished as much as many of the people that are in that uh, Hall of Fame and it's just a feather in your cap as well right well i believe it's something that's long overdue and i just wanted to mention uh, uh i'm a fan of the two local girls uh from uh from the seattle area heart and off of their website they had a petition that you could sign that uh petitions the rock and roll hall of fame for the consideration so uh hopefully maybe something like that could um be developed off of a link or a website and maybe things could get going that way but I, i'm totally behind yeah, we, it and i think a lot of other people in. are for sure absolutely well good well we'll let you in it okay <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> we're on it kent thank you so much we really appreciate it sir all right thank you for showing up all right thanks kent but i can't Lest you think we've gone commercial here on the Northwest Convergence Zone. Oh, no, no, so no, 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 no. That's not happening. Well, who we have in the studio with us today is an absolute legend in the Northwest. Yep. And uh, if you don't believe that, uh, there's something wrong with your head. Because we, let's go back through some of the famous local commercials of all times. You've got like Grand, Glenn Grant, who used Grant, to... Glenn Grant Chevrolet. Yeah. Uh, we had... Um, uh, the I won't be King under- and Bunny. Yeah, I won't be understood. Jack Roberts. Yeah. And Dick uh, yeah, Dick Bulch. I mean, fantastic locally <laughs> huh? produced Dick <laughs> commercials. <laughs> yeah, he used to stand up. Dick Bulch used to stand up on, an, awesome. on a brand new car and with smash. a sledgehammer and smash windows. And <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What was the last name again? Dick Bulch. Not Bulge. <laughs> okay. Bulch. I had to check. <laughs> we know where Voxy's at. I I mean, that's what it sounded like to me. I, well, who we and have... You, and I've only been here three years, so I've never heard of him, so I had to yeah. check. Well, okay. who we have in the studio today is the Vern Funk guy, Rob Tilkey. Rob, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's good to have you in. Uh, how's it feel to be a legend in the Northwest. Well, when you say legend, it makes me feel like maybe I'm old. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're legendary. A oh, legendary. There you go. Yeah. No, these there commercials. Mythical. Absolutely. Iconic. Iconic. Epic. Uh, total. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't turn on the TV without seeing, or even the radio without hearing, a Vern Font commercial. And the guy doing the commercials is here with us today, Rob Tilkey. And mm-hmm. I, I'm excited because... Uh, whether you you think of him as campy or goofy, crazy, uh, or what weird. the hell, or what the hell, yeah, are they what just was thinking that, on man? There? You know, where they're the the latest one out is where you guys are uh, doing the the dance and and all of a sudden your hat appears, you know, and mm-hmm. it's crazy stuff. So tell us a 
how, whose idea is it for the? Is this a marketing firm? Is this you guys? Who, who's putting this stuff out there? The it's, water cooler. Yeah, it's called Rob Tilkey's uh, marketing firm. Awesome. Um, <laughs> actually, the, the the rap one you're seeing now is actually sung by, produced, and directed by my brother Joel, who lives in Hollywood. And we actually, I actually flew down there and filmed it. Um, really? Yeah, it was awesome. The, well, he's the a mansion, man. Of course, oh, I don't doubt it, man. <laughs> Why he's here, where, we'll never know. Where, where was the mansion? What was that? I was in um outside of hollywood yeah. and uh yeah they had it all set up with the you know the chicks the pool the mansion <laughs> that he was on a rap video it was it was a pasty Blame. white guy on a rap video <laughs> yeah and i you know um you know not for nothing but um you know you watch these videos and like you said sometimes you're like what the hell you know and they're campy but they're super funny and the most important point is Everybody knows who Vern Funk Insurance is. That's the goal. So has it helped out? Has it helped Absolutely. out? Absolutely. I mean, because I remember when you guys just started doing commercials. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it used to just be honk when you drive by I Vern Funk. Yeah, that was funk. the original thing, right? And we still try to integrate that at. And so, um, but yeah, we when I went when I first started there, we had one office. Now we're up to eleven. Jeez. Um, and we're planning on opening two more. So it's really going really really well, well right tell, now. Tell tell us a little bit about Vern Funk. First of all, as an insurance company and Vern Funk, who was an actual person. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we originally started out as um, people for high risk, uh, people that have high risk uh, uh, driving records, Boxy. people with tickets, accidents, DWIs. Double D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, you'd be surprised who, who I've got calls from. And, uh, and you know, we're very uh, confidential and uh, what we do that. But we've expanded out to homeowners. Uh, we have business insurance, and now um, the last few years we've expanded out to just people that don't have problems. We have Safeco and Travelers. Uh, we have GMAC insurance for people who just. Uh, so you um, moved past all the yeah. uh, the SR twenty two. No, we, we I still mean, you do have a lot that, of the, oh, but that was your main focus for oh, yeah. a long time. It was like mm -hmm. if you saw somebody who had a Vern Fong sticker on their car yeah. as their insurer, <laughs> yeah, you stayed away. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or you're pulling them over. Uh, no, okay. I was like slowing way down or getting past them. <laughs> so you were the guy who went around me uh, when I was on the way over here because I have a Vern Funk sticker on my car. <laughs> Not anymore, but back in the day. Right, right. You know, when, when, no, and, I do. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about who Vern Funk was. Vern Funk was a gentleman who passed away about four and a half years ago. He hired me uh, October 89. And I was just uh, a schmuck agent, and uh, one day he came to us and said, "Hey, we want you to write a commercial." We were like, "What? <laughs> um, we're gonna get them <laughs> Had all you ever together. done commercials before?" Never. I called my brother. I was like, "Look, what do you even do? How do you do it?" And then he, we just, he just said, "You got to get an idea, do a storyboard," and um, we just went from there. Um, the first commercial that he actually let me be in was, I was a cop. And at the end, I said, oh, remember to honk when you drive by Vern Funk? And I asked the advertising agency, hey, what if I said it kind of weird? And they were like, oh, no, you can't do that. So we shot one alternative version, and uh, I got it by Vern, says, I don't care, put it in there. And it kind of, <laughs> and it, people kind of started to take notice. How did you say it? How did you say it weird? Because I don't, that like, one doesn't sound familiar. It was way back in the day. Hey, remember to honk when you drive by <laughs> I suppose it remember to honk when you drive yeah. by Vern Funk. Right. It's more effective. Oh, right. absolutely. Right. No, in mean, a cop uniform? Come yeah. on. He's screaming at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he's out of his gourd. <laughs> yeah. Uh so now so Vern Funk has has passed on. And um what what what's the state now? Who who's in charge of Vern Funk and Well, I'm the general manager now. Um it's kind of weird. We've gotten bought out um by um Wall Street Investment company who wow. likes what we're doing um so they're just giving us a bunch of capital to go out and expand and they love the brand they love what we've done and i also like the money that we make so hey um, <laughs> the wrong with well, that. i would i mean one of my first questions i wanted to ask tonight was like you know how how is it that when i'm watching joe tv 50% of the commercials are very fuck i'm like man these guys are making money hand over fist if they can have this much advertising well um, yeah, so, uh, the funniest thing I've heard lately is you guys. Do you guys own Joe TV? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no I've had like three different people. See, he's thinking it too. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's I mean, hour They're upon hour, but the entire evening and night. 
Well, you know, there's funk. Yeah. yeah, let me explain that because it's actually our newest thing. And if you noticed, have you guys seen the Joe TV stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah it's great TV. Well, there's commercials, but then there's 30-second weird bits yep. that have nothing yep. to do with insurance. Right. <laughs> Basically, they've given us our own show That's cool. for 30 seconds, four times a night, and we can do whatever we want just so people go, what in the world was that? <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you've seen the <laughs> dating videos. So what they've yep, done yep. is they've given us... Um, some time slots that we give them content and in exchange um, we have a business that they give us discounts on on running the advertising on there so, so is that something that you're looking into maybe like start branching out into uh, like we, an almost live or yeah. a local type uh, we'd love to program? Sy- we'd love to syndicate it actually it's owned by um I can't think of it but anyway it's a big large um, broadcasting um, company that we'd love for them to spread out Joe because Joe TV is an experiment because mm-hmm. it's what is it South Park Family Guy The Simpsons and King of the Hill King of the Hill yeah and so it's it's our type of folks um, young people kind of alternative people that uh, might be staying up late or you know dig my style of humor so it's just a great <laughs> fit um, some people don't like it but you know screw them yeah. they wouldn't be watching Joe TV anyways most no of those people. Yeah. no no that's you know. what we think so. Yes. Well, let's yeah, listen. Great, uh, let's listen to another commercial, and then we'll come back and talk more with uh, Rob Tilkey, the Vern Font guy. This is the Forrest Gump commercial, which is awesome. My name is Vernon Font, but people call me Vernon Font. Insurance is like a box of chocolates. With some companies, you never know what you're going to get. Mama always said to keep it simple. At Vern Font, we keep it simple, and that's all I have to say about that. Stop running all over town. Call Vern Funk Insurance, 1-800-654-SR22. Discounts and payment plans available. Remember to honk when you drive by Vern Funk. <laughs> now, a lot of your ads are parodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you've got you've parodied uh, music videos, uh, game shows, movies, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have your own original creations. Which ones do you find, uh, the, A, the hardest to do and the most rewarding? Um, I don't know about hardest, but um, I I only I only parody the ones that I could pull off. Obviously, um, people say I look like Forrest Gump, <laughs> um, Tom Hanks a little bit. So you know that one fit. Um, I could pull off the Doc and Back of the Future. Uh, I think I did okay on that. Yeah. But other people give me ideas. Hey, you should be this guy. You know, he's six foot five and he has a full head of hair. You know, I got <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. Right, right, right. You know. Um, so yeah, whatever. So it's it's you gotta <laughs> match up, and sometimes it's it's pretty difficult to find um, characters or people um, that are good enough to pull off uh, pull off the and make it funny. How many commercials have you done now? Uh probably. I don't know, maybe 50, That's huge. 60 or something like that. It's amazing, actually. That's a lot of time put in behind the camera right there. Mm-hmm. So is this all you do for Vern Funk now? Are you still uh, a you still an agent? I, You're still selling I, I still once in a while sell a policy. People freak out. <laughs> I'm like sitting at my desk and like, you're really going to help <laughs> me? the guy. Like, yeah. They're getting <laughs> a picture taken with them. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. So with I'm her. up in Everett. If you want to stop by and say hi, I take yeah, honk. pictures. Honk. Honk for, yeah, people honking. Honk, honk. Um, I know we have one here in Tacoma off of I-5. Yep. and like uh, Or by Hooters. Yeah, yeah, right by Hooters. Exactly. Well, yeah. you would know that. Hey man, I like Absolutely. the wings. That's all. <laughs> uh, for for uh, someone not having any clue how to do a commercial and then that becoming like your gig, how do you feel about that? Is it something you feel like you were just kind of meant to do? I I think yeah, it's just weird. Hopefully, I stay grounded. My head doesn't get too big. And people, <laughs> so far, my wife, she's not impressed. But she keeps me. Um, the, the people you know. closest to you never are. <laughs> no. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go do a radio interview. She went, take okay. the trash out. Man. When, no, no. She, yeah, she just said, when when you when you coming Put home, the lid down. you know, or I'm on TV or do something. She's like, I said, hey, I got an interview on Evening Magazine. She's like, oh, great. Yeah, Wait till you tell her you got an interview here. Oh, that's yeah. true. She'll be really impressed. I was, yeah, I was in a garage night. in uh, Tacoma. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, but I, so do you have a particular favorite commercial that you've done? One that you just like, now that 
I love that. Well, commercial. I guess the best writing that I've done, I and it's not usually it's it's kind of weird because you see artists or bands or people who do it. Usually, their favorite song is not what is commercially really good, the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best writing was one of the ones where I did a soprano one, where I was uh, I get out of the you know some guy rear ends me, I get out of the car and I said let's go whack him, <laughs> and then uh, we get out and he sees a Vern Funk sticker and then he says oh he's protected and then we just say it's whoa 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 it's okay it's it's like another you know um gang or something like hey this guy's he's in the in crowd you can't touch him so we he's get back in the car and take off made man yeah. yeah he's a made man there you go so yeah, you, you can't touch this guy it seems like you've gone from uh when Vern first approached you and you're like what the, you know i yeah i don't know anything about commercials was Vern too. some just crazy old guy what, what was the deal with that yeah he's well <laughs> sorry, to, sorry. They, <laughs> yeah well he was funny but didn't know it we used to laugh and make fun of him and, and joke with him. And, and he didn't care. He goes, as long as you make the phone ring, Rob, I don't care what the hell you do. <laughs> That's awesome. But now, so you went from that where he approached you and you're like, I, I don't know, to now where it sounds like, uh, 50 commercials or so later and you have ideas just rattling oh, in your yeah. head. Oh yeah. I I can think up one and put it on the air within, you know, 30 sec, you know, just come up with an idea. Okay, let's do it. Right. Cuz I've done so many and I know how to do it and I've been doing it. Um it's just like anything in life. It's just most people don't have the opportunity to have that have that much uh just opportunity to do something like that. And I have and with the help of some great people around me, I don't want to take credit. My brother's coming up. Uh, Vern's daughter, Renee, has came up with some. We've had um, a couple customers. I always say, if you, if you can come up with an idea um, and I use it, I'll put you in the commercial. So if anybody has nice. some ideas out there, I get lots of ideas. How would and, they get those to you? Um, just email me. Just go to the contact on vernfunk.com, and it actually comes Bing. to me Yeah, at the bottom of the screen. And, if I, I, and a lot of people... Um, give me ideas. I don't use the majority of them for various reasons. Either they they suck, or um, <laughs> no. or or they're just or they're just too hard. Like you got to have a million dollar budget. Right. How are we going to do this? Tell me how we're going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. How are we going to do this? Or um, you know, it's just not original, and I don't. Th- or I don't think it's funny. Right. You know, if I. My standard is if I don't think it's funny, I'm not going to put it on. And speaking of vernfunk.com, uh, you don't have to need insurance. If you need insurance, go to vernfunk.com. They can help you with everything, obviously. But you guys have some really fun stuff on your site. You have uh, a whole list of a bunch of the commercials that you've done. Uh, there's a way to get in touch with you. And then also you're selling uh, shirts that say Shapoopy. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. So, they got, you know, it's a it's a cool site. You can watch all these commercials. They also have uh, a bunch of the, just the radio spots, and so you can relive all the fantastic moments that Rob has brought us. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> but let me ask ask you this uh, real quick: when you're out and about, uh, because you know, people see you in these commercials. Your face is on now on the stickers, and it's on the website and everything. Mm-hmm. You're at the grocery store. You're hanging out. You're with your wife. Whatever. You're looking at the dog food. You, do you hear people whispering? Absolutely. Is that weird? It's kind of weird. 99% of the time it's okay, but every once in a while I'm yelling at my kid or fighting with my wife. <laughs> right. And you know, and you just like... Put that down! Hey. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you just don't You just don't feel like, like, hey, Vern, I love you. Screw like, you, man. Yeah, leave me alone. I'm depressed that day. Like, I'm not ever depressed or whatever's going on. But no, 99% of the time... Um, you know, uh, I, I try to be gracious. I try to be um, down to earth and I try to talk to everybody who's, uh, who's willing to talk to me or wants to talk to me. It's funny, though, that that I bet that's happened for a long time. But it, I just went to the Sports uh, Star of the Year Awards. I was invited mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I, and I, I walked the, the red carpet, which was kind of weird. <laughs> and uh, Alan Schaffler, the guy from King Five, yeah. says, dude, I want to get your picture. Just 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 me and you. And he was just like so excited. He goes, you're the real celebrity here. And I'm like. <laughs> There's Paul Allen. There's the governor. There's Gary Payton. Yeah, there's all I these people coming that. through, and he asked me to take the picture with Felix him. Hernandez. Yeah, Felix or... Hernandez. There was a bunch of the new of coach of uh, of the Mariners. On and on and on. Don James, legendary coach, and he's like, and all the cameramen, they were all like. Rob Tilkey's in yeah, the house. Yeah. We're a funk guy. Oh, yeah. They were all you're a real over. guy, man. I know. They were just, oh, because you're a real guy. You're, yeah. you know, what, 22 years ago, you you probably heard the old man say that to you, and then you pulled out your job description of when you first started out, and you said, um, 
I'm not seeing anything on here about uh, TV production. Never had a clue. Never had. <laughs> and a clue. here you are. What was the yeah. most awkward? Like, like you at a restaurant, you're having quiet dinner. Some guy comes up and goes, "Vern, fuck, man." Yeah, it's happened a lot. He's in the but sauna. I can't, uh, yeah. Hope no, that's never happened. <laughs> Can you autograph my towel, dude? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, where was it? Yeah, I've had a few awkward moments where it just wasn't appropriate. Um, I can't think of any any. But they're out a, there. He's at a funeral. He's forgotten yeah. them. It's like, yeah, man, just get them you out know, of my most, brain. No, for the most part, people are really um cool. They're excited to see me. Um, I and I try to be like I said, everybody. When I came out of the red carpet, there's all these dignitaries and all these people were walking by, and this one homeless lady came by, and she was just so excited to meet me. Everybody, it was kind of weird because I could see because they were insurance. asking for a pen. No, she was asking for a pen, and I could just see what it uh, her what it was like to be in her shoes because yeah. everybody was just like moving away from her. And I actually got a pen. I shook her hand. I gave it to her, and I made her day. And that was one of the, it was a cool thing awesome. very, um, very that, I, nice. that i that i like to that i like to do yeah rob tilke is our guest he's the uh Vern funk pitch man and he also works for them you can go get a policy from him super nice cup guy. of coffee too i hear uh yeah uh, one last question before we let you go and we really appreciate you stopping in today and that i think the question everybody wants to know is has it paid off for you like in ching ching Absolutely. I can't, I never thought I would be in the position that I would be. I'm very thankful. Um, I have an awesome life, awesome family. I have an awesome job, and I love what I do. So, yeah, it's been can't very, very good to me. Now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's awesome. It, it, it is stuff that uh, legends are made of. We see you as a legendary figure in the Northwest. We can't wait for more of the great commercials. Yeah. It's the fantastic Rob Tilke from Vern Funk. Thank well, you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. I had a good time. Appreciate right it. On. All right. All right, everybody, that's it for part one of the Northwest Convergence Zone. We will be back in part two with a killer interview that we did with the Sonics. We'll see you over there.